In the name of God, who is creating, liberating, and loving us into freedom. Amen. Amen. So one, as a preacher, it's really great to go after a sermon from Martin Luther King Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoying that, thank you very much. That's great. In 1959, Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife, Coretta Scott King, spent a month in India. On February 22nd, they were in Kerala, which is where my family is from, so we all know this story. It's a big deal there. And he tells the story of that day. This is from his autobiography. On February 22nd, Mrs. King and I journeyed down to a city in India called Trivandrum. Then we went from Trivandrum down to a point known as Cape Comoran. It's called Kanyakumari today. This is where the mass of India ends, and the vast rolling waters of the ocean have their beginning. It is one of the most beautiful parts of all the world. His words, not mine, but I might agree. Three great bodies of water meet together in all of their majestic splendor. The Bay of Bengal, the Arabian Sea, and the Indian Ocean. Now I remember, this is still from him, I remember how we went out there and looked at the big old rocks, a sight that was truly incredible, out into the waters, out into the ocean, seated on a huge rock that slightly protruded into the ocean, we were enthralled by the vastness of the ocean and its terrifying immensities. We looked at the waves of those great bodies of water as they unfolded in almost rhythmic suspension as the waves crashed against the base of the rock on which we were seated, an oceanic music brought sweetness to the ear. To the west, we saw the magnificent sun, a red cosmic ball of fire, appear to sink into the very ocean itself. Just as it was almost lost from sight, Coretta touched me and said, look, Martin, isn't that beautiful? I looked around and saw the moon, another ball of scintillating beauty. As the sun appeared to be sinking into the ocean, the moon appeared to be rising from the ocean. When the sun finally passed completely beyond sight, darkness engulfed the earth, but in the east, the radiant light of the rising moon shone supreme. This was, as I said, one of the most beautiful parts in all the world, and that happened to be one of those days when the moon was full, This is one of the few points in all the world where you can see the setting of the sun and the rising of the moon simultaneously. I looked at that and something came to mind and I had to share it with Coretta, Dr. Reddick, his biographer, and other people who were accompanying us around at that point. God has the light that can shine through all the darkness. We have experiences when the light of day vanishes leaving us in some dark and desolate midnight moments when our highest hopes are turned into shambles of despair or when we are victims of some tragic injustice and some terrible exploitation. During such moments, our spirits are almost overcome by gloom and despair, and we feel that there is no light anywhere. But ever and again, we look toward the east and discover that there is another light, which shines even in the darkness. The church celebrates in these weeks of January a season after Epiphany, the visit of the Magi, a look to the east to follow a light, to find Jesus. 
And today we celebrate the blessed Martin Luther King Jr. Honoring the federal holiday weekend that we celebrate as a nation, the church remembers Dr. King on the anniversary of his death, April 4th, so we get to do this twice, which is good for us. And that's where you have the readings and prayers for today from that April 4 celebration. Now, King went to India not long after the end of the Montgomery bus boycott, which had made him famous around the world. That year-long boycott that resulted with segregation on interstate transportation declared illegal, they had won. Many mark this as the beginning of the civil rights movement. This was the Rosa Parks launched campaign years before the Sunday school bombing, the marches led by children and policed with dogs and fire hoses. To this day, remain the icons of the state of America in the 1960s and the 1950s is when, when um, King goes to India. King, um, the 1950s is Montgomery. This was a time, remember, that we look back to nostalgically in the Episcopal Church when our churches were packed and segregated. A time when this nation, emerging victorious from a world war as an international power, tried to put its black and Latinx and Asian and native people and all the women back in their place post-war. There was literally revolution in the air in those days as former colonies sought nationhood around the world, and people formed by war and crisis wrestled with what had been and maybe seemed inevitable versus liberation. And that was the word, liberation, a big word, freedom, a world without racism, the power to love your neighbor generously, asking white America to choose to love their neighbor, even if that meant in a different neighborhood or changing your own, a world in the future without families scarred by war, a world with long-lasting, true peace, a world in which a peaceful, dignified life could be possible for all. The story we read in the Bible today that places that struggle at the center of our lives is that Exodus reading, the freedom of the Hebrew people from enslavement in Egypt. This is the story that is read at Passover, the foundational story of the Jewish people we frame our American stories in similar, um, in similar ways. You can hear them constructed similarly. And we think of our lives in this way as well, don't we? We have probably all in some way moved from the things in our lives that seemed inevitable at 17, at 25, at 35, at 70. Inevitable, unquestionable, predetermined, out of our control, beyond our scope. We have moved in stages, most of us, to being more ourselves, something like liberations, to being curious about the world because we can, because we're stronger, to stepping out and taking risks we might not have imagined before, to speaking up, to standing up, to listening to another kind of voice as individuals, as people, as a people, as peoples. Now, liberation is a very big word. And if it doesn't sit well for you, the theologians say it might be because you have yet to find the place where you need some, but it's there. It's what salvation means. And let's not forget that once out of Egypt, those people wandered for a very long time. And some say that to this day, we are wandering on a journey to a promised land of God's beauty and justice, trying to make out where the path is in the daytime and at night trying to follow that fire, like that gorgeous night sky on Thursday. 
Dr. Catherine Meeks, in her new book, asks us all to get in, in the work of liberation, you and I, to decide that we want to be about the world that could be, not the one that is, and to make our commitment to our part in that struggle. So the question is, what is your part in making it right in this time? I find King's telling of that sunset, moonrise, particularly poignant this year in offering us an image of a truth about light on a particular spot on the earth, curved in such a way that the interplay of the sun and its reflections are constantly visible above the wild crash of the seas. And doesn't life feel like a wild crash of seas? This morning, our president is over at our senator's church down the street. I hope they're talking about the conference that Ebenezer and the temple hosted last week, this past week, on ending mass incarceration. Brian Stevenson is over there as well, so thank you for being here, <laughs> right? Um, I hope, I mean, that's a lot to compete with down the street. <laughs> and you can watch it on the live stream afterwards, of course. I hope they're talking about how we create opportunities and support for flourishing in our poorest communities here in Atlanta. I hope they're talking about how we make jails obsolete in our time. I hope they're talking about how to have fewer guns on our streets and in our communities and in our schools. I hope they're talking about how many people here in this city are sick for lack of health care and mental health care, how many cannot find shelter. I hope they are recounting the history of race in this great city and how it enslaves us a new generation after generation and does not have to be this way. I hope there is some will to shine a bright light in this very stormy season or maybe just to look up and notice that it's there. Now, I've only been at that point at the tip of India where King visited once. What I remember is the churning of the seas that meet there. It is wild, the wild power of it. It seems dangerous and endless, but if you watch for a while, you will notice that there are small boats out there in the water. People fish there and make their living. They understand how those waters work. A ferry crosses at some point. There is a whole other country, not that far across, those seemingly endless and unnavigable waters, a country much like ours. And the sun sets and the moon rises across that vast sky in the sea of millions and millions of stars. A light shines in the darkness and the darkness prickles and awakes in its deepest depths. Let us keep our eyes on that wide horizon, friends, the one that calls us to remember ourselves, minute and exquisite, each and every one, sought after by the creator of all, friended by Jesus, reflected in the infinite materials of the cosmos, bound together, regardless of the divisions that sin will offer us, knit together as wanderers, seekers, who once thought that we too might want to be free. <laughs>